0: Uh, Welcome, everyone. Welcome. This is your host, Keith. And uh, join me on another trip down to Pine Ridge as we present another 30-minute episode of Lum and Abner.
1: From January 4th, 1950,
0: Lum becomes engaged to Elizabeth's cousin, Lydia. I like Lum and Abner. Yeah, it will be good to hear more from them this month. Uh, There's not any this month other than this one i think there'll be some picking up soon in the upcoming month so hey, uh, stay tuned and buckle down for those we'll make sure that we present them uh, as they would have occurred during the broadcast year of 1950 so this is it for this month
1: i think that's what keith means
0: uh, today i wanted to say a few things we have a visitor coming soon there should be uh Uncle Donya Pittsford Popping in here to read us uh, a bit From Jot Down Journal But before he shows up I wanted to uh, uh, bring to attention Some things about this show uh, A quick synopsis is Islam jumps to conclusions Ha <laughs> ha, when does he ever <laughs> not Whenever he sees a picture of a beautiful woman And immediately falls in love with her and thinks, of course, he is God's gift to mankind, and, of course, that woman should fall in love with him, and he gets himself out of some trouble. Turns out it's not what it seems, because a couple old standby story uh, gags uh, from past Lemon Abner, uh, photo confusions, barrage bureaus, so Abner's photo gets put out there, and it And suddenly all the women who write in fall in love with him. Later, a few years later, Lum used his photo, with uh, mistakes, images, and people fall in love with him, and he's uh, the sole bachelor out there. Uh, It's not the first time that they've had a photo mix-up gag uh, in in their past. And, of course, uh, Lum is always uh, falling for... uh, some beautiful woman or other even sight unseen as he did with the lovely Professor Sloan when that uh, school teacher came to Pine Ridge and it turned out not to even be a woman (laughs) funny stuff, if you haven't heard that one uh, just uh, do a search for probably Professor Sloan or something like that and you'll probably catch it, it was uh, from the 1942 season later in the year after uh, some of the events that uh, Donnie Pitcher will read us from in an article that I asked to be featured today, and...
2: Hey, look out the window. Is that him?
1: Yeah, that's Uncle Donnie.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, look. Uh, I think see him coming. And he's carrying something. So, uh, you know what? I don't have a lot more to say other than... Um, you can find more about uh, the Lemon Abner Society at lemonabnersociety.org. I wonder what it is. Or visit the Facebook page for Lemon Abner Radio Show or Lemon Abner. Maybe it's that article he has for us.
1: Or his latest comic strip.
0: Comic strip. I know what I think of it.
1: Yeah, you're brilliant.
0: Oh, here we go. Uh, here. Uh, get that door for me, okay?
3: Come in. Huh.
0: Hey, uh, welcome, Uncle Donnie. Why don't you uh, read that article? I see you have it handy right there in your hand. It, it, it's the one from uh,
2: April 1985, correct? Of course it is. All right. Here we go. Lomond Abner in Hollywood, Part 2 of a Series. After the release of Dreaming Out Loud in 1940 the public had to wait two years before getting their second glimpse of Lum and Abner on the silver screen. For some reason, their second film, The Bashful Bachelor, was accompanied by somewhat less hoopla than the premiere entry in the series. Chetlock and Norris Goff still decided, though, to devote roughly one week of their radio shows to the subject of the new film. Unlike the advanced publicity for Dreaming Out Loud, which was meant to create the illusion that the movie was actually filmed in Pine Ridge, all of the material surrounding The Bashful Bachelor made it clear that Lum and Abner had indeed gone to Hollywood to make this picture. They were also able to tell their listeners more about the film itself, since it had already been completed, while Dreaming Out Loud had not been filmed or even given a title, until after Lum and Abner had temporarily ended their series. On Friday, April third, 1942, Lum and Abner were still trying to decide how to spend the $10,000 that Diogenes Smith left for the purpose of bettering the town. Their deliberation on this topic was interrupted when Cedric delivered a telegram from Hollywood. Upon reading it, Lum became greatly excited and rang up the party line while Abner repeatedly wanted to know what was going on. Let me ring up everybody on the party line.
3: Well, well, come on now. Tell me what it's all about, Lum.
4: You'll hear soon enough. Just listen to the announcement I'm going to make. I'm giving them that fire alarm ring. That'll get everybody to the phone.
3: Huh. Wait a minute. Well, I wish you'd tell me what it is. I'll
4: make an announcement and you can hear what I'm saying. Dad, blame it all. I can hear them picking up the receivers all up and down the line.
3: Well, go ahead and talk to them in before they hang up.
4: Howdy, everybody. They ain't no fire... This is Lom Edwards talking. I've got an important announcement to make. He'd need her make it. You know, a little while back, me and Abner finished making our second moving picture called The Bashful Bachelor, oh. starring L. Edwards. That's me. I'm the Bashful Bachelor, and I'm in love with Zazu Pitch. It's the first time Cedric Weehunt and Squire Skimp's been in a picture, and I know you want to see
3: him. Well, tell him about me, Lum. I'm in it too.
4: Yeah, Abner's got a little part in it too.
3: Little part. I uh, ride our horse in a race at the county fair and get kidnapped and get tied to a railroad track and almost run over by well, a train. Well, I can't and... tell
4: them all about the picture now, Abner. Huh. Anyway, in this telegram, they want us to have a premiere of the picture here in Pine Ridge next Friday. And, natural, we're going to do it.
3: Premiere? Well, I don't know what it is, but I'm it.
4: Now, me and Abner is anxious for all of our friends to see this picture because we're kind of proud of it. Of course, all of you can't get to Pine Ridge for the pre-premier, so it might be a good idea for you to call your local theater manager and ask him when he's going to show The Bashful Bachelor. Darn, Lonnie. Better step to the phone call right now, because the more calls he gets, the quicker he'll have it. And be sure and let us know how you like it, we want to hear. Want to know what you think of Squire and Cedric and all. And me. Uh, if we can't see you at the uh, premiere, we'll see you at the theater when The Bashful Bachelor comes to your town. Goodbye, and wonderful world.
2: Before we move forward with the text, we'll back up to tell you that on the first page, the bottom right-hand corner is a photograph of Mrs. Azu Pitts speaking into the old telephone, with Lum and Abner appearing to be eavesdropping. This doesn't have the look of being photographed in the store, as the background is quite plain. Possibly this is just a publicity shot for the film. The upper right-hand corner, we have a scene that is in the store set. We have Lum at the left, Squire Skimp, then Louise Curry, and on the far right is Abner, who looks rather agitated at the Squire. The lower left-hand corner, a very embarrassing scene for Lum as Zazu Pitts is looking on. Abner is to the far right. Lum is outside on the city street, and the widow Abernathy has her arms around Lum's neck while all of her children are rallying around. The widow has just gotten the idea that Lum wants to marry her, and Miss Geraldine is not happy, played by Zazu Pitts. Back to the text. During the next four broadcast dates, Lum and Abner manage to completely botch up all plans for the big premiere. Cedric, being one of the stars of the movie began paying people to take his autograph. Lum frowned on this practice severely. Then Abner found out that Lum had hired Mousy Gray to do the same thing. Hollywood's typical wartime attitude toward comedians in general was wonderfully illustrated on the day before the premiere, April 9th. Lum explained to Abner that
4: Oh, yeah, it's a comedy and it's supposed to make folks laugh and feel good. Hmm. And that's Why, maybe it's important in these times. If folks can get some enjoyment and do some laughing, it'll make them work hard and fight harder for the things we're trying to
2: preserve, such as freedom and, well, the right to laugh. That's something important right there. Abner agreed with Lum's patriotism, but failed to see why RKO was releasing the movie as a comedy.
3: Well, I thought that was a serious drama we made there. I I know I acted awful dramatics in it.
2: He confessed... Friday, April the 10th, the day of the premiere, was one of the most unusual episodes ever broadcast by Lum and Abner. It was, for the most part, presented as a remote radio broadcast, hosted by Jack Benny's longtime sidekick, Don Wilson. While Wilson interviewed Squire Skimp, although Squire did most of the talking, Lum tried to give Donna Michi, a close personal friend of Lock and Goff, tips on how to act. Louise Curry, the leading lady of the picture, made a brief appearance... ...and was followed by Gail Patrick... ...who emerged from Cedric's car... ...saying, Wonderful World and Yes Mum." At the close of the show... ...Don Wilson and Don Amici... ...effectively cancelled Lum's long-winded speech... ...by getting Mousy Gray... ...to stage a blackout. So, what about the picture itself? Well, it is perhaps the most pure... ...of all Lum and Abner movies... ...that is, bearing a closer resemblance... ...to the radio shows than the others. There was a good reason for this... The film was written by Chetlock and Norris Goff themselves, whereas Dreaming Out Loud had been concocted by a team of RKO screenwriters. The hiring of Ros Rogers to write the radio episodes in September 1941 had given them much more time to devote to their film. On the next two pictures, Rogers himself received writing credit which amounted to practically the same thing. The plot of The Bashful Bachelor involves Lum's courtship of Miss Geraldine, Zazu Pitts, who admires heroes. This inspires him to devise various schemes in order to become a hero, most of which involve great personal risk, to Abner, that is. The awful eyeglasses that a traveling pitchman sells to Lum and Abner complicate the matter and set up a number of Mr. Magoo type gags. Once again, Squire Skimp has a plot to take over the Jotham Down store, although his beautiful niece Marjorie is on Lum and Abner's side. Cedric Weehunt is on hand, too, to help Lum carry out his near-fatal plots. Strangely enough, the one thing that flaws the film is exactly the same reason that it resembles the radio series so much. Its episodic nature. The story is carried, for the most part, by a series of blackout gags and scenes, which gives it an extremely disconnected look. In this way, it is much more like the radio storylines, which were, of course, carried along in daily 15-minute slices. The movie has more radio dialogue than dreaming out loud, and one can easily see how the director attempted to supplement Locke's and Goff's wordiness with various visual aids. Characters constantly wander aimlessly about the store during their conversations, and a bit of slapstick humor is incorporated by having Lum constantly fall down, walk into closets, etc. The dialogue is delightful straight out of the radio shows. Lum and Abner even have an abbreviated discussion of one of Lum's old Eddard sayings. Except for Lum and Abner themselves, the cast of the film is totally different from that of Dreaming Out Loud. Irving Bacon, who portrayed derelict-turned-deputy Wes Stillman in the first movie, appears here as the sheriff, but apparently this is not supposed to be the same character. By far, the most important additions to the cast are Oscar O'Shea and Grady Sutton. O'Shea is physically perfect for the role of Squire Skimp, even though his vocal imitation leaves something to be desired. He also has Squire walking with an inexplicable limp. On the other hand, character actor Grady Sutton is completely miscast as Cedric, being much older than the radio series would indicate Cedric to be. His Cedric voice also bears little resemblance to Chetlock's radio role. As for the rest of the cast, Constance Purdy plays a major role as Witter Abernathy who it turns out isn't a witter after all, and brief uncredited appearances are put in by Luke Spears and Uncle Henry Lunsford. The Bashful Bachelor contains one or two inside jokes which take sharp eyes and more than one viewing to detect. In one scene, Lum and Abner apparently pay tribute to their current radio sponsor when Abner cures Lum's headache by giving him Alka-Seltzer or a reasonable facsimile thereof. In a later scene, the pitchman's poster advertises Dr. Hirsch's tonic, a reference to production manager and later producer Ben Hirsch. References to acquaintances of locks and Goffs crop up occasionally in the radio episodes, if one knows where to look for them. Like their premiere picture, this one opens and closes with an organ rendition of their radio theme, although in this case it is the newer theme heard during the early 1940s rather than the original Eleanor. Officers of the NLAS picked The Bashful Bachelor as the best Lemon Abner feature, at least as far as comparisons to the radio show go. While later films certainly have more story and less talking to them, there is no mistaking Chet Locke's and Norris Goff's personal touch on this movie. This article is written by Tim Hollis. In some instances, his opinions do not necessarily reflect those of other fans of Lemon Abner, but it is a review after all. We go back to the bottom of page four to pick up what is at the very bottom of that page. A small section saying, This issue printed by Duplicating Services Company. Complete printing and lithography service. 501 East Marshall Avenue. Post Office Box 501 753 Area code 214. Longview, Texas 75601. Special thanks to Mr. Bob Lines. Designer of our NLAS logo. Howdy, folks. There ain't no far. This is Uncle Donnie speaking in behalf of all the NLAS officers and thanking Bob for his excellent work. Many kind remarks have been received in regard to this logo, and there we have a reproduction of the National Lum and Abner Society logo designed by Mr. Bob Lyons. Back to page five. We have the cast of characters for The Bashful Bachelor, Lum, Chester Locke, Abner, Norris Gough, Miss Geraldine, Zazu Pitts, Cedric. Grady Sutton, Squire Skimp, Oscar O'Shea, Marjorie Louise Curry, Witter Abernathy, Constance Purdy, Sheriff, Irving Bacon, Joe Abernathy, Earl Hodgins, The Pitchman, Benny Rubin, The Bashful Bachelor, a Jack William Volshan production, released May 1942, RKO Radio Pictures. Screenplay by Chandler Sprague, from an original story by Chester Locke and Norris Goff. Produced by Jack William Votion. Directed by Malcolm St. Clair. Again, the article was written by Tim Hollis. At the bottom of this page, we have an advertisement. Visit the Lum Abner Museum and Jot'Em Down store. Open March through November, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Sunday, and by appointment. Located on Lum Abner Highway 88. Lon and Kathy Stucker, phone... 501-326-4442. 501-326-4442. Post Office, Box 38, Pine Ridge, Arkansas, 71966. Tour buses welcome. Y'all drive careful. Wow,
0: well, thanks, Uncle Donnie. That was definitely uh, uh, informative. Uh, I, I, I want to go see that movie again. <laughs> in fact, I have uh, some... YouTube embeds on my webpage if we do a search for Bachelor. I don't feature the, the audio clip like I often do on the show but I do have some embeds uh, on the radio shows that you talked about that uh, uh, featured that little break from the Diogenes Smith story arc. So folks want to check it out, uh, just check out the webpage and uh, hey, go watch that movie. It's, it's a good movie it sounds like. Well, uh, thanks for stopping by, Uncle Donnie. We'll see you uh, maybe next month. All right. And, of course, that was uh, Uncle Donnie Pitchford. And uh, always glad to have, uh, have him pop in with a word from the jot of down journals. So I think we talked this thing uh, long enough. So away we go. Take it away, RetroBots. Here's our featured presentation.
1: From January 4, 1950, Lum becomes engaged to
2: Elizabeth's cousin Lydia, featuring Zezu Pitts.
1: Lum
5: and Abner Show. With your old friends, Zezu Pitts, and Devine, Jake Paul, Kelly Holman, used by open Case, and shouting, Lum and Abner. <laughs>
6: Lum and Abner will be with us in just a moment. But first, a short message from the Ford dealers of America. Over 100,000 delighted motorists are already driving the new 50 Ford. Here's what Ted Shetler, a cattleman in Norwalk, Iowa, says about his 50 Ford. In the cattle business, a passenger car has to double as a station wagon, a truck, and everything else into the sun. back roads aren't too good. Often, I have to drive right out over the fields. It takes a real automobile to stand up under such punishment. That Ford engine has power galore, and for comfort, good looks, and economy, I don't think anything on the market can touch a 54. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we Ford dealers are swamped with comments like that. But don't take anyone's word for this new fifty-four. Prove it for yourself. Look up your nearest Ford dealer in the classified phone directory. Perhaps you know him personally. He'll arrange a test drive in the 54th. Test drive it for comfort, for power, for safety, for the quietness which is its mark of quality. Yes, before you buy any car at any price, test drive the 50 Ford at your Ford dealers tomorrow.
5: And here they are, your old favorite, Lum and Abner. Well, Abner, there's our new
7: calendar. January
8: 1950.
7: Oh, well. Well, better take that old one down.
3: Yeah, say, ain't that a pretty calendar the Union Bank put down?
7: Yeah, I love that picture. That Indian's got his hand up, seeing his eyes looking
3: for his horse, and he's sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> you
9: know,
3: that calendar they sent us last year was perfect. It was right every month.
9: Well,
3: <laughs> I hope this was just as good. Well, of
7: course it will be. Calendar's
3: Uh-oh. A... What's the matter? The calendar's wrong. I know they made a mistake right off the bat. you there. They got Sunday coming on the 1st of January.
7: Well, what's wrong with that?
3: Well, look here. Last year, come on the 4th.
7: <laughs> These calendars come out different every year
3: Well, me, you'd think after they have been making them this long They'd get the hang of them <laughs> Well,
7: so you just dropped the whole thing, Edna
3: All right You know, I was just
7: thinking, Edna Wouldn't it be wonderful if we knew what was ahead in the year to come? What has faith got in store for us? All we know is it's January 1950 But what's beyond February <laughs> Don't go tearing up that brand-new calendar. I wasn't talking about February at all. I was speaking of something deeper, much deeper.
3: Is April deep enough? you stop tearing up that calendar? Now, leave it alone. Doggy, these holidays is ganging up on me. Say, we just took our Christmas tree down last week, and according to this calendar, it's my, my Easter.
5: Admiral,
7: would you do me a favor for the coming year?
3: Sure, Lon. What is it? Shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was you talking about?
7: Well, I was sort of looking ahead to the future Wondering what 1950 had in store for us
3: Oh Who
7: knows? Maybe the new year might find me getting married And final settling down
3: Oh, you can't tell, Lum, it might not be that bad a year
7: <laughs> I'm sure of one thing If I do get married, it won't be to Zazu Pitt No matter how hard she tries <laughs>
3: Well say, you know it's a shame the way that poor woman feels about you, Lom, and you not being interested at all in her. Now, while she never has come right out and said nothing, I can see in her eyes that she is just crazy about
7: you. Yeah, I kind of suspected that, to that too. Did you see the New Year's card she sent me? Hmm? No. Well, I've got it right here. Listen it. Roses are red and I am blue. Forty nine slipped by, and so did you. <laughs> The are purple and lilacs are violet. Here's hoping in 50 we middle eyelets.
3: She's got it bad.
7: Yeah, wish there's some way of telling her I ain't interested without hurting her feelings.
3: Well, why don't you send her a poem like she sent you?
7: Say, hey, that's a good idea. Now, let's see, what could I say?
3: Well, you might say, uh, I cannot marry you, Miss Pitt. My reason, I will explain. The more I hear the wedding march, the more it sounds like mule trains. <laughs> Rob, did you send that poem to Miss Pitts yet? No,
7: Abner, I just ain't got the heart. The shock of finding out she can't have me might kill her. Huh? And why should I have so much and other men so little? <laughs> I guess some furnaces just give off more hot
3: air than others.
7: I suppose someday the right man will come along and maybe she'll forget all about me. But it won't be easy.
3: No, it might take minutes. Mom, <laughs> why don't you sit down and write her a friendly note and tell her that you're already madly in love.
7: In love with who? Yourself. <laughs> I see you ain't very sympathetic about this whole thing, Abner. Now, here's a girl that's going to end up an old maid just because she can't get the man she loves.
3: Well, don't be wrong, I ain't got time to worry about every girl that ain't married. Just today, my woman, Elizabeth, got a letter from a distant cousin I ain't never even seen. Hmm. Said she was coming here all the way from New Jersey to look for a husband.
9: Well,
7: there's yeah. always been more women than men. Men is getting scarcer all the time.
3: Well, yeah. do you think they'll ever have to ration us, long?
7: I don't know. I've often wondered about that.
3: I can just see the government putting up signs. Ladies, make their husbands laugh.
9: <laughs>
3: Replacements are not available. Oh,
7: that's silly. Of course, I don't see why a girl would have to come all the way from New Jersey to Pine Ridge looking for a man.
3: Well, I got the letter right here. If you don't believe me, she enclosed a picture. Her, her name is Lydia.
7: Hmm, that's a pretty name, Lydia. What does she look like?
3: Well, there's a picture, Judge, for
7: yourself. Are you sure this is the right picture?
3: That's Lydia.
7: Why, Granny's Adler, this girl is beautiful. Don't look to be more than 24 or
3: 5.
7: Adler, did you say this girl is coming to Pine Ridge looking for a husband?
3: That's what it says in the letter. All
7: right, Granny's, when word gets around that this beautiful girl is in town, the wolves will be howling all the way from Fort Smith. Adler, you got to do me a favor. What's that? Don't tell nobody she's coming. I want to have her all to myself.
3: But now, Long... Don't on.
7: argue with me, Abner. What's more, I'm going to send her a letter asking for every date while she's in town. Object, matrimony.
3: Long, well, you can't go all while over a picture. That's more like the artificial coloring and flavoring she's using anyway.
9: <laughs>
3: Got herself cami-flagged up to look this good. Now,
7: Abner, anybody can see that she's a natural beauty. Them sparkling eyes, that soft complexion. Them Cupid gold lips. That's the work of Mother Nature's brush.
3: Well, it might be Mother Nature's brush, but I bet she's dipping it in Lady Esther's bucket.
7: <laughs> no, Edna, I know something nice when I see it. Besides, if I can be seen around town with Lydia, maybe Miss Fitz will get the hint and leave me alone. Hiya, fellas. Oh, Andy Devine. Say, Andy, if you've got a full dress suit, I'd suggest you get it out of the mothballs. A full dress
5: suit? Gee, I, I did have one, but I lent it to my uncle in Cherry Hill and never got it back. Well, write him a letter. Well, it won't do no good. They
3: buried him in it. <laughs> Mom, ain't you rushing things a little?
7: I was just asking to get it ready, that's all. I may not get married for two or three days after I meet her.
5: Well, that is honest. Now, are you thinking of getting married?
7: Well, I'd say the possibilities is greater than they've ever been.
5: Oh, well, I'll be doggone. You always said you'd die before you got married. Well, what changed your mind?
7: Oh, I don't know. I realized I'd have more fun on the honeymoon this way. <laughs>
5: I hey, pretty good ones. Hey, I gotta remember to use that one in the barber shop. More fun on audio.
7: Andy, <laughs> yeah, don't be surprised to you hear that I've entered the state of holy wedlock.
3: You mean headlock?
9: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, gosh, Slim, I can hardly believe it. And if I was you, I'd wait a while before I bothered my uncle for that full dress suit. Holy suit's her picture. Her picture? Oh, golly, can
5: I see
7: it? Well, sure, here it is, Andy. give it back, Andy. You're steaming up the
9: winders. (laughs) Holy smokes,
5: Slum. She's beautiful. Who is she? I can't tell you yet. All I can
7: say is she's coming all the way from New Jersey to see me.
5: Well, gee, with you getting hitched, Slum, I I guess I'm the only legible bachelor left in Pine Ridge. (laughs) You and Opie Yeah. I'd better watch out. With you, gone, every girl in town will start throwing their arms
3: around me. (laughs) It'll take every girl in town to reach that far. (laughs)
9: Looks
3: like a game will ring
5: around the rosy. (laughs) Well, I'd better get back to the barbershop. Let me know when you decide on the wedding, Lum.
3: Yeah, I sure will,
5: Andy. So
7: long. Admiral, you want to come over to Bickles ready to wear at the county seat and help me pick out a nice fancy sports jacket?
3: I don't want nothing to do with this whole crazy idea i'm sorry i showed you the picture all right
7: i'll go by myself oh before i go i better write lydia a letter asking her for all them dates
3: now Wait a minute, i know what
7: i'll do i'll introduce myself and give her my full description what do you think of that admiral
3: well introducing yourself all right but if you start describing yourself they'll arrest you for using the mail to defraud. <laughs>
7: Well, Abner, I mailed the letter and done my shopping. Uh-huh. Ain't she even going to take a look at my new sports jacket I'm wearing? I'd love
3: to, but something just coming at the door and blinded me.
7: Yeah, I figured Lydia would like something conservative, so I picked out this one. <laughs> Green and purple checks against a background of orange and chartreuse. <laughs> you look like a lit-up pinball machine. <laughs> Mr. Dickle said this is just like the ones the movie stars wear in Hollywood.
3: That Dickle would sell his own mother a loaded cigar. That thing looks like a horse blanket.
7: No, if you see me walking down the street in this, wouldn't you come up and ask me for my autograph? No. Might come up and stick a lump of sugar in your mouth. <laughs> Look, here comes Zazu Pitts. Now, this is my chance to break the news that I'm interested in somebody else.
3: Now, look, Mom, Miss Pitts has been mighty nice to you. Now, you be careful and don't hurt her feelings.
7: Now, Abner, don't make no speeches to me about how to be diplomatic. I forgot more about these things than I ever knew.
8: Well, howdy do you do, Miss Pitts. Come right square in here. Oh, hello, Mr. Peabody. and How are you today? Oh, pretty good for an old man. Well, that's good. And how are you, Mr. Edwards?
7: Well, pretty good for an old man.
8: That's nice. How are you? Uh, pretty good for an old man. Oh.
9: <laughs> Mr.
8: Edwards, I just dropped by to see if you received my New Year's card.
7: Oh, uh, yes, Mom.
8: Well, uh, did you read it?
7: Uh, Miss Pitts, I think it's only fair to tell you that I have gave my heart to another.
8: You've what?
7: I'm in love with somebody
8: else. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, dear me. I'd better sit down. This is such a shock to me. Well, now, take it easy, Miss Pitt. Oh, dear. Mr. Edwards, would you do the courtesy of telling me who my rival is?
7: Well, all I have is her picture. I I ain't met her yet.
8: You mean you're going to marry someone you haven't even met yet?
7: Well, maybe.
8: That's terrible. That's what I've been telling.
3: How's that going to sound when the preacher says, Lom Edwards? You take this stranger for your lawful wedded wife.
7: Please, Adner, stay out of my affairs.
3: Yeah, you better forget about him, Miss Kitt. His stubborn head is made up.
8: Oh, Mr. Edwards, I had such plans for the two of us. My hope chest is just full of little lacy things. Now they'll never be used.
7: Well, you had no business buying them things when you didn't even know my size. <laughs>
8: all my towels mark his and hers. Now you've spoiled the whole set. His will never be used.
7: Well, if it'll make you happy, I can stop over once a week and wash my face.
8: <laughs> well, this isn't the first time I've been disappointed. I'll get over it. That's the time. I wish you all the luck in the world, Mr. Edwards. And if it doesn't work out, remember, I'll be waiting.
7: Thank you, Miss Pierce.
8: If I'm not home, look on your front
9: porch.
8: <laughs> Farewell, sweet prince. Parting is such sweet sorrow. I wish your marriage lots of success,
9: but I'll check with you tomorrow. <laughs>
3: gone and broke that poor little woman's heart. I'm sorry, Abner,
7: but them's the fortunes of love. She'd have made you
3: a fine wife, too.
7: Maybe so, but just look at this picture of Lydia. How can you compare Miss Pitts to this girl?
3: Well, she is prettier, I'll admit that.
7: Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't make my letter stronger, Abner. I'd sure hate to lose her.
3: Well, you practical
7: proposed to her.
3: Hey, wait a minute. Hold up that picture again, long.
7: All right, what's the matter?
3: Well, what's that writing on the back that's partly rubbed out there? Writing? Yeah, right there, Hard to read. Hi, Granny's Zadner. She's a beauty
7: contest winner. It says Miss Egg Harbor, New Jersey. Oh, my goodness. What's the matter? This picture was taken in 1909.
6: <laughs> and now a brief message from the Ford dealers of America. Over 100,000 motorists are experiencing the engineering leadership built into the 50 Ford. As owners, they already know that it's the one fine car in the low-priced field, and it's a personal experience that counts in buying a car. That's why the Ford dealers of America are issuing this special invitation to test drive this new 50 Ford for yourself. In the classified phone directory, you'll find the name of your nearest Ford dealer. Perhaps you know him personally. He'll be delighted to arrange a test drive tomorrow. So get behind the wheel and test drive it for the comfort of its midship ride, its unmatched roominess and foam rubber cushion driving ease. Test drive it for the power and quietness of the only V8 in the low-priced field, the kind of engine found in America's costliest cars, yet priced lower than ten different six-cylinder cars. Test drive it for the safety of its king sized brakes, largest in the low-priced field. Before you buy any car at any price, you'll find it to your advantage to test-drive the 50 Ford at your Ford dealers tomorrow.
9: Granny's, <laughs> Abner, I
7: thought you'd never get here, did Lydia arrived.
3: Yeah, yeah, me and Elizabeth met her at the depot.
7: Oh, me. How does she look?
3: Well, when she stepped off the train, I thought we'd stand in front of the cattle car. <laughs> Don't torture me, Abner. Is she really that bad? She's got more wrinkles than a pound of prunes. Oh, me. Let me see that picture again, Lum. I think it was cooking 18 off nine. And I
7: practically the ask her to marry me, too. Adner, did she say anything about my letter?
3: Oh, yeah, she got it all right. Even showed me a copy of it. A copy? Yeah, the original's with her lawyer.
8: <laughs>
3: Adner, watch the store for a while. I'm going out and kill myself. Well, I told you not to go crazy over that picture. I'd be sending a love letter to a girl he ain't never seen and spending money on a fancy sports jacket.
7: Wait a minute. Here comes Opie Cage. Maybe if I can talk him into taking her out, she'll forget all about me. After
3: all, he's younger than I am. Well, you might try it. Of course, Opie ain't half the with you are. But then you've been working at it longer. Well, Opie, my friend. Hello, Opie. Hello, Opie. Did you ever stop to think that
7: you and me is practical the only two people in town that ain't married? I think it's high time something was
3: done about it. Well, I'm sorry, Lum, but you just ain't my type.
7: No, I'm serious, Opie. I decided that I'm not going to stand by and see a fine, intelligent young man like you going through life without no companionship. Abner, hand me the sport jacket. Hey, Well, What, Lum? I say,
5: does Sears and old Buck know you've got there, awning? <laughs> yes,
6: Opie, it's a sport jacket.
7: Now try it on.
6: Well, but Lum, it was got... made
7: for me. But if we take it in all around, it'll fit you fine. But Lum, you said quiet, Opie. Now stand still while I adjust it. It's
3: awful big on it. it just needs a little adjusting, Abner. It's like a sock on a rooster. <laughs>
7: now, look what happens if I raise the collar three inches. Uh, how's that, Obie?
3: It's dark in here. I can't see
9: nothing. <laughs>
3: Now, that's fine, Opie, considering what Lum's planning for you, you don't know how lucky you are. Well, Lum, why are you
7: trying this jacket on me? Well, I want you to look your best when you take out a certain girl I got for you. Well, Lum, you see. Her I'm... name is Lydia, and you've never seen a prettier girl in your life. That goes for your grandfather, too. <laughs> grandfather? Well, of course she is getting along in years, but she'd be kind of like a mother to you.
3: I already got a mother. <laughs> are you fixed on
9: grandmothers.
3: (laughs) Look, Mom, I've been trying to tell you I'm engaged to be married. Your what? Yeah, I'm pledged to Laverne Bidboss over in (laughs) Plymouth.
9: Take
3: off my coat, Opie. I even sent her some material to make a wedding dress. Cost me $5 postage. $5 postage? Why, did it cost so much? All you sent her was a cloth for the wedding dress. Well, you see, there was a hundred pounds of chicken
8: feed in it. Laverne, she
3: made a beautiful dress out of it. She even tried it on and sent me a picture of herself wearing it. Well, how'd it look? It looked better with the chicken feet in it.
7: (laughs) Well, Opie, as long as you're engaged, we'll just forget the whole thing.
3: Well, I guess I'll be running along. Now, if I can ever help you out again, Lump, let me know. Yeah, we will, Opie. So long. Yeah,
7: so long. Admiral, what am I going to do? She's going to be popping in here any minute.
3: I don't know, Lon. She don't look like the kind of a woman that takes no for an answer. Oh, why did I
7: ever write that letter?
3: I never read the thing. Was it very personal?
7: Well, I started right out calling her my dream boat. Dream boat? Well, oh, in the picture, she
3: looks like a dream boat. You ought to see her now. She's taking on an awful lot of cargo. <laughs> Don't stand there making wise-tracks, Abner. If you was
7: my friend, you'd think of a way to get me out of this.
3: Mom, if I knew how to get out of these things, I'd still be a bachelor myself. Say, hey,
7: wait a minute. Ain't that Luke heading up the street?
3: I reckon it is. Nobody else looks like that. Hey, he got his wife, Susan Mayo,
7: got her from one of them marriage bureaus. Maybe he knows what I can do.
3: Well, I sure ask him.
1: Is that Consor nephew of mine hanging around here?
7: No, Luke, he just left. Uh, say, while you're here, I'd like to ask you a question. Well, what is it?
1: What is it? I ain't got all day. Well,
7: Luke, I fell in love with a woman and uh, I want to get rid of her.
1: Well, there's only one way to let a woman know the romance is over.
7: Good. How's that? Marry her. And <laughs> I don't want to get married. Well,
1: nobody wants to get married. It's like the measles, you just can't avoid it. <laughs> Rob didn't give you the
3: true story, Luke. He fell in love with a picture taken 41 years ago.
1: You can't trust a one of them. Not a one of them. Before I met her, my wife sent me a picture of herself and a lock of her hair. Lock of hair, well, that's sweet. Found out later she sent the same thing to 200 other men. Well, what's wrong with that?
9: Wrong with it? Haven't you met old Baldy? (laughs)
6: Oh, so that's how it happened. Oh, they're all
1: the same i hate weddings so much that i stop serving rice in my restaurant
3: i don't know your steak still tastes like
7: old shoes <laughs> what do you think i ought to do how can i tell her that i didn't mean what i wrote in the letter tell
1: her you didn't know what you was doing when you wrote it Say so you were suffering from amnesia that's always a good
7: way out hi granny that's it i was suffering from amnesia
3: after my troubles is over
7: when lydia walks in here this afternoon i'm going to act like my mind's a total
3: blank you think i can fool her well, if your mind ain't a total blank, you've been fooling me for 30 odd
9: years. <laughs> and
3: I do mean odds. <laughs>
7: You better watch out the window, Abner. I, I don't know what Lydia looks like. I'm
3: watching. Wa- oh, oh, wait a minute. There she comes. Where? Where? Right over there, she stopped in front of Caleb Weehunt's liver stable. Oh, this is terrible. Why, yes, it is. She better move before she gets hitched to a buggy.
7: <laughs> Abner, if I ever get out of this, I'll never look at another woman as long as I live. And if I have any children, I'll teach them to do
3: the same thing. <laughs> Well, here comes Miss Egg Harbor
9: now. Blank your mind,
8: Lum. Amnesia yourself. Oh, there you are. Oh, my Arkansas Romeo. My great big bundle of goodies. Speak to me. Speak to me. Mother. Mother. Oh, Lum, darling, I'm here. This is your little dream boat. Look at me. Take a good look. don't you recognize me now.
6: Oh,
9: father.
8: Lydia,
3: <laughs> there's something I ought to explain to you. We was trying to keep it a secret, but I guess we can't no longer. Mom is suffering from amnesia. Amnesia? Yeah, poor fella. When he gets to attacks, he writes letters and does things that he ain't responsible for.
8: Oh, how horrible. How did it ever happen?
3: Well, it all started when he was just a little boy. His papa used to bounce him up and down on his knees.
8: But how could that do it?
3: As papa sat with his legs under the table.
8: <laughs> but it mattered to me was perfectly sane. Oh, love, sweetheart, look at me. I'm your lydia. The girl in the picture, Lydia.
7: Oh, yes. How do you do, Miss Tinkham?
3: Terrible. Yeah, when he gets this way, he can't even recognize himself. He hasn't even washed his face in a week. He hasn't? Every time he walks in the bathroom, he looks in the mirror and says, Oh, pardon me, and walks out. <laughs>
8: oh, the poor boy. Oh, hello, Mr. Teabody. Hello, Miss And how are you, Mr. Edwards?
7: Pretty good, Miss Titz, considering I'm um, suffering from amnesia.
8: Wait a second. He just recognized this woman. He called her by name. How do you explain that? Oh, well, uh, uh...
3: Dog is, I don't know. Lom, you want to try
8: it? Lom <laughs> <laughs> Edwards, I don't like the looks of this. This whole thing looks like a fake.
7: Well, you tried to put something over on me, and I, Janice, are just trying the same thing right back at you.
8: Oh, yes, well, you're not getting away with it, Slim. You wrote me a letter begging for Jake for every night in the week. What more? You even mentioned that's about it. I'm afraid I shouldn't be hearing all this. I'd better go. Oh, wait a minute, Miss Pitts. Long, can I talk to you
3: confidential a second? What is it, Abner? I'm scared to death. Well, look, you can cancel all them dates and get rid of her easy. How? Just announce your engagement to Miss Pitts right now.
7: Why, of course. Now, why didn't I think of that? Oh, Miss Pitts?
8: Yes, Mr. Edwards? It gives
7: me great pleasure to announce that you and me is now officially engaged. What? I accept. Oh, no. oh my goodness, Adner! What have I done
9: now? Oh. oh,
3: dog! Is he fainted? Out of my way! I gotta go get a bucket of water. <laughs>
8: Well, Daisy, that does it. He's announced your engagement, and pretty soon we'll be married. Yes, Lydia, and I'm so happy. Well, I'd better go pack and head back to New Jersey. And don't forget, honey, if that long-legged Casanova tries to back out of this, just call me, and I'll help you trap him again like I did this time. <laughs>
6: Norman Abner will be back in a moment. Now, here's a short message from your local Ford dealer. America's conversation now revolves around 1950 automobile models, but over 100,000 motorists are already out front with 50 Ford. Here is what Dr. F. C. Kolak of Skylar, Nebraska, says about his 50 Ford. When I get a call, it may be at midnight or 4 a.m. I've got to have Ford's quick-starting dependability. Driving over all sorts of roads, comfort needs a lot, too. And my 50 Ford gives me plenty of it. I'm proud of its looks. And it's the safest, most economical car I ever owned. All in all, my 50 Ford is absolutely top. We Ford dealers are not surprised that new owners rave about their 50 Ford. We've studied this new Ford from stem to stern. We know every detail of its 50 ways new for 50. But until you get behind the wheel, you won't be able to believe how good it is. That's the reason we want you to test drive the 54. The classified phone directory will give you the name of the nearest Ford dealer, or perhaps you know him personally. Why don't you phone him tomorrow? Before you buy any car at any price, you owe it to yourself to test drive the 54. <laughs>
7: Admiral, will you stop throwing that water on me? You got me so wet now, mushrooms is going out of my ears.
3: Well, every time you come to, you holler Miss Pitts and Pain again. Pitts, oh yeah, the
9: Columbia broadcast.